0: I want to bring kids into a world where they can be guaranteed that they will be safe and they will be loved and they will be accepted. And I think the only way that I can guarantee that is by guaranteeing that same right for every child, a world where every kid has the space to dream and the agency to actualize those dreams, where opportunity is equally distributed, where kids are celebrated in all that they are and whoever that they are and how they love and how they pray and how they look and how they choose to be and how they choose to live. And do I know that we will get there in my lifetime? Absolutely not. But will I die trying? Absolutely yes.
1: Conversations are the key to unifying the world. So let's hear from the conversationalists and changemakers who are breaking echo chambers and using their voices for good. I'm your host, Sophie Barron, and this is the Conversationalist Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Thank you so much for being here and for being a part of our journey to unify the world. This episode is an amazing one. And before we dive in, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button so you can get notified whenever we have an episode. I started the conversationalist so every single person's voice can be heard. And here on our podcast, I chat with Gen Z activists, entrepreneurs, and game changers from the TC community, as well as experts and thought leaders who are at the forefront of social change. I'm here to help break open your echo chamber so you can unify your world. I'm so excited about the community we're building together. So come join us on the Geneva app by texting UNIFY to 877-222-1119 or simply visit our website, theconversationalist.com. Once you join, you'll be able to find new friends, new opportunities, and 24-7 conversation surrounding anything and everything under the sun that matters to you. Let's dive into today's episode. I have the honor of speaking with one of my favorite humans, Ziad Ahmed. Ziad is a 22-year-old entrepreneur, speaker, student, and Forbes 30 Under 30 honoree. He is the CEO of Juve Consulting, a Generation Z consultancy that works with clients to help them better understand young people. Ziad is also a full-time senior at Yale and the founder of Redefy, which is a youth-run nonprofit committed to furthering equality. Ziad drops so much wisdom throughout our conversation, so you do not want to miss this one. Let's dive in with the amazing Ziad. Ziad, welcome to the Conversationalist podcast. I know we've only known each other for a few months, but I feel like we've become such fast friends. I'm in awe of all that you do, and I'm just so happy you're here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm so excited. So in proper TC style, let's kick off our conversation with Breaking the Ice. I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions and I can't wait to hear your answers. Let's do it. So starting us off, where are you right now?
0: I'm in New York City. And how about yourself?
1: I'm in my childhood bedroom in Wichita, Kansas. (laughs) Number two, what
0: is your most frequently used emoji? The heart, like the red heart emoji. It's like unbelievable to me that anybody's isn't that just because of how often I use it. I use it literally every other text. So original. (laughs) I'm not. I'm not that. I'm not that. (laughs) Number three, what makes you, you? Wow, Is that a fast question? I feel like that's a huge, long, meaty question. What makes me, me? Circumstance, happenstance, luck. Privilege, family, friends, a, a lot of emotion and a lot of thoughts and having too much to say and being this ball of, like, angst. I don't know. All of the above, none of the above. I i don't know. I'm still figuring that one out. I think we'll have to circle back to that in 10, 20, 15 years. I don't know.
1: I think we all are. Love that answer. Number four, what is a topic that you could talk
0: about for hours on end? Like literally anything. I could literally talk to a wall for 24 hours straight. A true conversationalist. Something like that. Or I I got not really. I feel like that's talking at something, not talking with something. I think a conversation is talking with something. So I don't know that it says I'm a conversationalist, but I certainly have a lot to say.
1: That's fair. And last, break the ice question. Here at TC, we're all about breaking open echo chambers, so I'd love to know what does your echo chamber look like?
0: This is such a fascinating question. I don't know that I have just one, but I would say the echo chamber that I'm in is one that is liberal and or progressive, for sure. The vast majority of people that I interact with you know, are on the left and some, somewhere along that huge spectrum. I would say that the echo chamber that I am in is probably disproportionately privileged in a number of ways, right? And I center myself in my privilege and how lucky I have been. I'm from Princeton, New Jersey. You know, I go to Yale and I run a business at 22. I know how lucky and privileged that I have been in my journey. And so I think a lot of my echo chamber is probably a reflection of that. But a lot of the work that I try to do every day is to get out of that echo chamber. And that's what a lot of what I've tried to spend the last, you know, five, especially since 2016 doing is really thinking about, okay, like I know that my network or community skew X, Y, and Z way. And it's my responsibility as a person Felicia, to, to do the labor, right? To, to break out of that, to learn from people who have different lived experiences and to spend my privilege to show up for communities and causes that matter and are in need. And so that's what I'm trying to do each day a little bit better and better. But echo chambers, especially digitally and in person are certainly a hard thing to break through, but
1: I'm trying. Same here. So Thank you for sharing that with us. It's awesome that you are actively trying to break out of it because most times people don't even realize they're in one and
0: that's half the battle. 2016 was a big wake-up call for me. I, I don't know that I was so deeply as cognizant. I always was the type to follow people on Twitter and et cetera who were from all around the world and organizing in local communities and et cetera, but I don't think I realized the extent that... I, I always knew that I had to break out of my geographic echo chamber and political echo chamber. What was so fascinating to me in 2016 was realizing... That people supported Trump That in my own school hallways that I did not realize, ex- like, I would have never expected they would have supported Trump. And that I was so within my own high school and echo chamber, right, of just a certain friend group. And that was a real wake up call to me, that it's not just about these like big ticket geography, political aisle, but it's also just like an everyday interaction. Am I having meaningful conversations with the acquaintances and service people and et cetera that has come into contact with? And what am I missing out on in terms of development, in terms of empathy when I don't? And that was a huge, huge wake-up call for me.
1: Super interesting. It's so fun for me to realize how much more you and I have in common than maybe we both realize yet. Yeah. Because that was also my moment. Like, 2016 was yeah. really the spark that led to The Conversationalist. And it happened while I was at Penn. And I think it was yeah. the first time that I realized how that echo chamber manifested, yeah. especially in a, an ideological sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, 2016 was, cool. it was quite the moment. I'll never forget. I'll never forget it, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, but let's dive in to today's conversation. Let's talk. We're all about having conversations that matter. So starting us off, Ziad, are there any topics that come to mind that are the hardest for you to speak about? And how have you navigated conversations surrounding those topics?
0: I think a lot of conversations are tricky. What comes to mind first is, I don't know if this is a great conversation starter, but something that's hard is working with your friends. And so, like, n- conversing with my colleagues who, you know, I-, I am their boss, but they're also my friends. Like, that's always a tension that daily I'm like, I don't want to have this conversation. Do I have to have this conversation? You know, those conversations are really tricky. I think conversations about privilege are often really tricky. I, I think that I'm learning a lot as I've gotten older from folks who have called me in and called me out. And who made me more cognizant of the space that I take up. But I think being uncomfortable is also always uncomfortable. But I think we learn the most from it. And I, I guess the biggest thing for, for me right now would probably be social media. I find it really hard to put into words how I even feel about social media. I find it really hard to grapple with, is it doing more good or harm? I find it really hard to grapple with who I want to be on social media, right? And I what I always come back to is this idea that I don't think that anyone's character is defined by their posts. I think our character is defined by how we treat people when no one's watching, right? But so many people on social media, like, their only data points to decide anyone's character are social media, and there's no way to be all things on social media. Like, we're too dynamic, we're too multifaceted to be to show every detail, every part, and that's exhausting anyway. I struggle with it. a lot of people, I think when they meet me, they're like, you're so different than your social media. And it's like, I'm trying to be me, but like, I, I don't even know how. Right, and it's hard, and I, I don't know what the right captions and posts always are, and I second guess myself, and I think that's like a hard conversation to have out loud because, I guess I'm a little embarrassed by the fact that I haven't quite cracked the code of who I want to be online and how I want to be online. For sure, I mean, I don't think any of us have cracked the code. I'm really bad at approaching strangers. People are always shocked by that because they're like, oh, no, you're not shy at all. I'm so shy. I'm so shy. Like, in any situation where I'm supposed to be social, I'm super social and talkative. But I will never ask for help in a store. Like, never. In any circumstance. And I will never go up to a stranger and be like, I like your shoes. I'm petrified. I think those are conversations that are really, really valuable that I never, never do. Which I wish I did.
1: Well, you were probably a poster child growing up for stranger danger and not talking to strangers. So that's probably
0: a good thing. <laughs> I think I'm getting better, but it's, yeah, it's tricky.
1: I hear you. Well, I can't wait for us to meet in person. I would have never guessed yes. that you're an introvert.
0: I'm not an introvert. I'm an extrovert. I am an extrovert. I am an extrovert who is okay, just great. scared. It's not that I'm shy. It's that I don't like inconveniencing people. I think I'm such an East Coaster. You assume that people who are doing their, like, their thing don't want to be disturbed. And, like, there's this assumption, like, it would be disturbing you. But if someone, like, wants to have a conversation, I'm game. I'm down. I'm ready. But I don't like disturbing people. I don't know.
1: I hear you. I resonate to a lot of what you're sharing. And a lot of those topics are hard to talk about. But I think something I want to double-click on today, Ziad, even though I've only known you for a short amount of time, I admire you so deeply for how you speak up for what you believe in. This is something that I really struggle with. I mean, I've built a whole platform trying to get the next generation to talk about the things that really matter. But for me, that is terrifying at times to shine a light on my personal beliefs and you stand up and speak up for what you believe in. So I'd be curious to know, how have you been able to find your voice and what inspired you to align your voice with everything that you're building now with Redefy and Juve?
0: So look, I'm still figuring it out in a lot of ways, but what I would say is that I'm somebody who is deeply political as an American Muslim, as a progressive, as somebody who has friends of all different identities and backgrounds who sees the impact that policy has, that systemic inequity have, or has. For me, social media has always been a tool to speak up. I think that especially as a person of privilege, as I mentioned, it's my responsibility to use my privilege, to use my platform, to shed light on things that people should be talking about, that we should be activating around. And I believe it would be a misuse of privilege and platform to not educate myself, to not to try to amplify others. I never intended, you know, on... I don't know that I am a social media personality, but I never intended on being a social media personality. I, I never expected to even really be that into social media. My original handle for a long, long time was Zito likes pies, which is my nickname growing up with Zito and like likes pies. I don't even really like pie. It's kind of a funny thing. But anyways, but Zito likes pies. Zito likes tacos. Those are my handles. Like, my bio for the longest time was no chill. My picture was of myself like in the rain with sunglasses on, crying. Like I was never this person as. I got more political as I got more aware I started to use my platform to speak about the things that I was really passionate about because I was learning about the injustice in the world and I wanted to talk about it. And I wanted to do something about it. And so I shared that with my community and I shared that with my friends. And I just can't imagine not. It's too central to who I am. My why as a person is that I believe that if we're having a conversation about a group of people, that that same group of people should be centered and present in conversation always as decision makers, as leaders. And I believe that the expert on any reality is the person closest to that reality. And so I intend to spend a lifetime trying to talk to the experts on every reality, right? And amplifying those voices and learning from them and activating around them. And so that's my why. And so me showing up on social media, me showing up in the world, like championing, you know, who I am includes championing the issues that I care about. Because what I think is so fascinating when people comment on things being like, why do you make everything political? Because my politics are a reflection of everything that I love right? And it's not me making everything political. I am a person that loves. And so everything is political because the space that I take up is, right? And if I care about this planet, damn right I'm going to stand up for climate change. And if I care about my Black friends, damn right I'm going to stand up for Black Lives Matter. And if I care about my sisters, damn right I'm going to speak out about sexual assault, right? And and, and it shouldn't be that you need to have a friend or a sister to speak out about these issues. Like Right is right and wrong is wrong. But my point being that I love society, I love people, I love humanity, I love the earth, and so subsequently, my politic is a reflection of all that I love, and so damn right I'm going to talk about it. I don't know. That's how I sort of think about it.
1: Well, Ziad, your passion is palpable. No, I can, like, feel you through you. the screen, and I hear you. I think that's so incredible and also really shows and shines through in the work that you're doing through redify and Jew. right? Because Redefy is all about advancing yeah. equality, So I'd be curious to know, down the road in a perfect world, if Readify did not need to exist and we got there to that moment, which really brings full circle your why, what would that world look like?
0: That's a really interesting question. I, I, I don't know if this is the right answer, but the work never ends. And I don't think that it's necessarily helpful to even think about getting to a place where Readify doesn't need to exist because... I will always be the type of person that, yes, celebrates how far we've come, but more centers how much further we have to go. And I think there will always be further to go. And I think a lot of, you know, sanitized rhetoric, postures, there is this world in which we are all perfect. I don't think that world necessarily exists because... In sanitizing that something so much that everyone could be perfect, I think that erases a lot of realities and a lot of nuances. And so what is the world that I want to bring kids into? As I think maybe a more relevant question to me, I mean, what I want to be when I grow up as a good dad. Like that's who I want to be. That's what I want to be. And I want to bring kids into a world where they can be guaranteed that they will be safe and they will be loved and they will be accepted. And I think the only way that I can guarantee that is by guaranteeing that same right for every child. A world where every kid has the space to dream and the agency to actualize those dreams. Where opportunity is equally distributed. Where kids are celebrated in all that they are and whoever that they are and how they love and how they pray and how they look and how they choose to be and how they choose to live. And do I know that we will get there in my lifetime? Absolutely not. But will I die trying? Absolutely yes.
1: Amen to that. I'm so happy you reframed that question because I think sometimes it can feel incredibly overwhelming, but maybe it's even the wrong assumption that we can get there, but we should spend every day trying. Siad, you're amazing. And I want to ask you one question on the flip side about Juve. Yeah, You're truly transforming the ways in which brands can reach Mm -hmm. and empower the next generation. I'd be curious to know, what is one misconception you think that others get wrong about Gen Z, or what is one thing that you wish the world knew about Gen Z?
0: So I think that the number one thing that people get wrong about any community is, is, is assuming that they're a monolith, right? And so assuming that Gen Z is a monolith, I think is the most dangerous assumption. Assuming that I can even speak on behalf of 2 billion is a really dangerous assumption. I am a privileged, random general Zer from Princeton, New Jersey, who has all sorts of shortcomings in my own perspective, and I deeply acknowledge that. It is not my role to speak on behalf of 2 billion. It is my role to connect those in positions of power to diverse young people, to call them in and call them out on what they're doing wrong, and to course correct so that more young people can be empowered. And that's the work that I do every day. What I think is a more, perhaps, specific answer in regards to what people get wrong about Gen Z. It's that I think that people assume that they understand a lot more about us than they they do, and that basic superficial metrics, like how much time that we spend on our phones or purchasing habits, can really take the place of of deep and meaningful conversation. I think the marketing advertising that's wrong is using white papers to supplement actual meaningful community and connection with diverse communities. And a white paper is just insufficient, right? When it comes to deep and meaningful understanding. What I think that I hope people knew about Gen Z if they actually talked to us, and this connects back to what I was saying earlier, it's this idea that the personal and the political are not separable for Gen Z. I think a lot of people historically in the business world, historically in places of power, even within politics, they conceive of a world where the personal and political are two separate things, that you could have an apolitical conversations, that you can be an apolitical person. I think Gen Z is really challenging that assumption. As an American Muslim whose name is Ziad Ahmed, I did not decide to be political. Right, My identity has been politicized since the moment that I was born. I think as a generation, so many of us, because we were the most diverse generation that has ever lived, especially in a U.S. and Western context. Right, Like, our identities have always been political, and if it's not us and it doesn't affect us, it affects those that we love and our friends and our communities and our peers and our digital surroundings. And so I think that I hope that people realize that you can't just be like, oh, I'm political, I'm not going to engage with this. Like, everything is political and your silence is political. Your avoidance is political. And you saying that the political and personal are separable is you not seeing me, is you not hearing me. And I think a lot of people historically confuse the political with the partisan. I'm not interested in the partisan, I'm interested in the political. I'm interested in policies that uplift young people, I'm interested in policies that uplift communities that have been historically disadvantaged and disenfranchised, I'm interested in policies that lift us all forward and that rehabilitate this planet and rehabilitate our society. And for you to not care about those policies from a political sense is for you to not care about those communities in a really practical, personal sense. And I really wish that people understood that because I think every conversation that doesn't start with that misses something. Because then you're having two different conversations that parallel planes. And if we're not perpendicular, then we're not getting anywhere.
1: Or just walking on eggshells, right? Like we're missing the heart of the conversation that was just such a mic drop moment thank you thank you for sharing that and thank you for spending every day trying to build that world where everyone does have a seat at the table and can be uplifted and heard you're amazing hi my name is caitlin and i approve of this hot take we all know what that sound means Ziad. it's time for a tc hot take For those who don't know, we have a whole section of our community dedicated to hot takes where people share perhaps a controversial or thought-provoking thought, idea, icebreaker, something that they believe in, and then we dive in. So today, our hot take is brought to you by one of our community members, Caitlin Levine. And Ziad, Caitlin shared in our community that she thinks that you can guess an entire person's identity based on their political ideology. What are your thoughts on this hot take?
0: I think it's absolutely wrong. I think that's just not correct. I think that's stereotyping. And I would encourage Caitlin and whomever to watch Juve. We did this event leading up to the election where we had four Gen Zers who were all voting differently or not voting in the 2020 presidential general election, um, share and debate each other and share about their viewpoints and... It's fascinating, right? You have four young women, of uh, three of whom women of color, and one is voting for Trump, and one is voting for Biden, and one is not voting, and one is voting third party. And I think you realize quite quickly in that conversation that just based on identity characteristics or based on political leaning, that does not tell the whole story. Because what was so fascinating about that conversation is the four actually agreed on a lot of things that systemic racism was real and happening, that climate change was real and happening, that that many of the perverse problems that we are facing are real and happening, just disagreed about the policy solutions or the moral solutions to these problems. And so subsequently, I definitely do not think that we can look at one part of somebody to assume everything about them ever. And I think that we're all really complicated. And if I've learned anything as as I've got older, it's that... um, Yeah, assumptions are a dangerous thing.
1: I personally agree with your take, but I know Caitlin comes from a different camp, and that's what we're all about, right? We just want to break open that echo chamber and talk. I think it's interesting that we have people from all sides of the political, ideological, racial, cultural, religious spectrums in our community because these are the conversations we need to be having. So I'm glad you brought that up. That was such an interesting perspective. And for anyone who wants to be featured as an upcoming hot take for our hot take segment, just make sure you're in our community on Geneva. You can access it through our Instagram, through our link in bio, or in the show notes, and we can't wait to keep the conversation going.
0: Fascinating. I'm I'm still reeling, but fascinating.
1: I want to hop on over next to our advice segment. Okay. We've talked about your journey. You have shared so much wisdom with us. I don't know about and that. And I'd be curious to know, for any young person out there listening to our conversation... What advice do you have for any young people out there who might be wanting to have some of the conversations we're having today or that you're having with your team or your friends, but maybe they don't know
0: where to start? Look, my first advice that I will give anyone is that most advice is bad advice. And that I'm really weary of giving advice because the reason why I think most advice is bad advice is because assuming that people have generalizable experiences, again, is a really dangerous assumption. And so just because something worked for me does not mean it will work for you. And without knowing your lived experience and your circumstance, I'm probably not qualified to give you good advice, right? I'm going to give you some like really like trite, you know, copy and paste, like hustle hard or like don't. Actually like take a breath. Generally, we are giving advice also because I have a lot more to learn than I have to teach and I need more advice than I have advice to give. But what I'll say is, what would I hope that a younger me knew? I think for us young people, it often feels like unless I am the perfect student and the perfect significant other and the perfect friend and perfect extracurricularly and perfect family member and perfect sports player, unless I am perfect in every category, I'm a failure. I'm nothing. And I think a lot of people can resonate with that, right? That it often feels like we're aspiring to be everything, to be good at all things. And if we fail... And we don't quite get there. We're nothing. And what I'm trying to teach myself, and what I wish I tried to teach myself earlier, is that we're all just something. And that has to be okay. That, like, I'm never going to be everything. And I've never been nothing. And I never will be nothing. And we're all just something. And, like, that has to be good enough. And maybe something, being something doesn't sound that sexy, but maybe that's okay. The best advice that I've ever been given was that you are inconsequential until this work, but this work is of consequence. I think Dahlia McGahead is the the one who shared that with me. Each of us, you know, may or may not be the piece of the puzzle that completes it, but that's not the point. The point is not to make the work about you. The point is to make you about the work, right? And... In doing so, like, you're not everything because you are just this one piece and you don't know if you are the piece. And that's okay to not know if you are the piece. Just being a piece and playing that role and doing your damn best is enough. Because the picture isn't complete without every single piece. I wish that I, like, internalized that mindset a lot earlier, I guess, is the best advice I'd give to my younger self.
1: Well, that was some incredible advice that was not advice, but was still advice. <laughs> so I don't know about that. I know that I'm gonna be taking that to heart. And thank you for validating that, that we're all works in progress and
0: you know. I know I am. I have a lot to, to work on. And me too.
1: But Ziad, I am so grateful that you were here to have this conversation oh, I'm so with me. That today. You me.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: And I want to round out today by heading over to our little self-promo segment. So share with us how we can stay connected with you. How can we follow your work? Any upcoming projects? Um, self-promo?
0: If you want to bore yourself by following me, you can follow me at Ziad Ahmed, Z-I-A-D-A-H-M-E-D, across platforms. And you can reach me, contact Ziaad at gmail.com. Yeah, I try to be helpful where I can be to folks. I'm all about trying to build community uh, where I can and where I have capacity to do so. You can learn more about Juve Consulting at juveconsulting.com. We're actually hiring for consultants right now. And, you know, there's always probably some open roles. So head on up to juveconsulting.com if you're interested in getting involved. And at Juve Consulting is us. And then Redefy is at we, Redefy, across socials and redefy.org on our website if you want to get involved. But the more the merrier. So looking forward to hearing from folks, hopefully. And to staying inspired by you, Sophie, and the conversationalist.
1: Well, we end every episode with some snaps in proper TC style. So Ziad, major snaps to you. Just for everything that you're doing in the world. Mm -hmm. I feel so lucky that
0: a social media platform that you and I have some controversial thoughts on. I I don't know if they're controversial. They're correct takes on a really flawed platform, and we'll name it. It's Clubhouse. But somehow connected us.
1: Here we are. Which I'm so grateful for. We can follow up with a part two about all things Clubhouse. But thank you for sharing so many important things today in our conversation. I think something that really spoke to me is in the ways you approach these difficult conversations. I'm so grateful that you brought up the piece about intertwining what we believe to be political with the personal and redefining the ways in which that we can connect with one another on a more human and personal level. So Ziad, thank you for all that you're doing with Juve and Redefy and for really being such a leader for so many to follow and making this world a better place.
0: Again, I don't know about all that, but thank you. And I'm following your lead. And thank you for having me. Privileged, grateful, excited to keep building forward together. Okay,
1: I don't know about you, but I am still speechless from today's episode. Ziad, thank you so much again for coming on the show. Ziad is most definitely making an impact in the world. And even though we laughed about our true feelings on social media, please give him and his organizations Juve and Redefy a follow. Today's episode helped to break open my echo chamber in more ways than I can count, but most definitely in how Ziad shared about the political nature of our beings. Sometimes we can't choose the labels that are cast upon us, but we can choose how we uplift others and create spaces for everyone to be safe, seen, and heard along the way. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please subscribe to the Conversationalist Podcast wherever you're listening right now. And if you want to meet incredible people like today's guest, come join us in the Conversationalist community on the Geneva app. We're there 24-7 to talk about anything on your mind that matters to you just click the link in the show notes below or click our link in bio on Instagram at The Conversationalist and check out our website, theconversationalist.com. If you want to join right here, right now, just take out your phone and text the word UNIFY to 877 877- 222 and we'll see you there. You may have been wondering what our segments mean and where they come from, like Break the Ice, Hot Takes, Let's Talk, and Snaps. So come to our community to find out and see for yourself. I'm Sophie Barron. We'll see you next time on the Conversationalist Podcast where we amplify and unify together. The Conversationalist podcast is a production of The Conversationalist, LLC. No part of this program can be reproduced or published without written permission from the producer. The views expressed on this podcast are not the views of The Conversationalist, its partners, team members, or affiliates. Copyright 2021, The Conversationalist.